Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 26 of the Camino Voice. On this episode, I speak to the president of the Camino Schoolhouse Foundation. Please welcome Chuck Durland. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, Subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. And Happy New Year, because this is the New Year episode. Um, yeah, I hope you guys all had a great 2019. It's weird because I'm recording this in 2019, but that's just the way this works. So anyways, um, hope you guys all had a great New Year and uh, so this episode, I get to talk with Chuck Durland, who is the president of the Camino Schoolhouse Foundation. And we get into a lot of history of Camino Island, uh, including an article written from a girl's perspective in 1907. Um, so that was a nice treat. Um, we talk about uh, how, where Chuck has traveled and all the places he's worked um, and how he's ended up here on Camino. And then we get into a few other topics that I'll leave us a surprise. So um, without further ado, here's my conversation with Chuck Durland. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice. Today, I'm here with Chuck Durland. Welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, um, Brandon. All right. So before we get started on the podcast uh, and everything else, tell us a little bit about Chuck. Well... I came to Camino Island in 1995, about this time of year, and um, I had been uh, living in Portland, Oregon, and um, had taken a sabbatical, and, but I couldn't find a job in Portland. I'd been working with senior adults um, in Nashville, Tennessee, but had always wanted to live in the West, so I moved there um, and stayed with my mother and... Um, couldn't get a job until I answered an ad in the Seattle Times for a job at the Camwood Senior Center in Stanwood, Washington. And I'd never been to Stanwood or even this far north. So I came up, interviewed for the job, and they offered it to me. And I worked as the executive director of the Camwood, which subsequently became the Stanwood Senior Center, which later became the Stanwood community and senior center, uh, which I think is what it's called now. And I worked there for almost nine years. Okay. And then worked for Snohomish County Office of Housing and Community Development until I retired. Okay. Which was in 2014. Okay. Very cool. So that's how I got here. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, going back a little ways then, where, where are you from? I grew up in Elmhurst, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago, okay. and um, was active in athletics, and I was a, a sprinter in, in track, and um, I was pretty good, good enough to get a scholarship to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and um, graduated from the University of Tennessee, and... Um, this was um, in 1967, so the Vietnam War was going on, and they were drafting people, and there wasn't a lottery at that time, so you either 
joined or you went to Canada, which some people I know went, and uh, or um, um, waited for to be drafted. And I took the initiative and um, went to officer training school in Lackland Air Force Base and became a second lieutenant in the Air Force. And okay. I never went to Vietnam. I just was at uh, a time when they had an overabundance of... Um, people in the late 60s, 70s, when they were starting to um, pare it down. So I served time in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and Dover, Delaware, um, defending the East Coast. Okay. Um, we had fighter interceptors um, at this little base in Atlantic City. Then I went back to the University of Tennessee and got a master's degree in public administration, and worked for the Tennessee Commission on Aging in Nashville, um, and then later was the executive director of Senior Citizens Incorporated in Nashville, which operated um, about 14 senior centers. Okay. And then later I um, managed some senior housing. Okay. So wait, when were you working with the... Uh the senior center, the one that was overseeing a bunch of senior centers. That was um, from 1980 to 1988. Okay. So I was there eight years. And um, and then I moved on and managed senior housing um, for a number of years. And then I decided my son went away to college, and I decided I would move to <clears throat> the West. That's when I moved to Portland. Okay. Very cool. So what was your original degree that you graduated with from Tennessee? <clears throat> I had a degree in geography. Okay. I was going to be a, a regional or city planner. And then I worked up in Hazard, Kentucky for a summer. Yeah. And um, saw that how much politics is involved in uh, planning and decided that I would re that that really wasn't my kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm I I think I'm a pretty good administrator. I think mm -hmm. that's where my gift is in administration. So yeah. that's what I tran tr um decided to do and then I um got a job at the Tennessee Commission on Aging. I um helped start some of the uh, the nutrition program for the elderly which we had sites all over the state of Tennessee, and it's all—it's a nationwide program. They serve them at the Stanwood Senior Center now, as okay, well, um, or did. Mm -hmm. I think they've changed uh, a little bit, uh, but the Camino Center also serves the same program. So really? we were okay. just starting at 1970. Wow, 73, I think, was when that was going. Um, so I. Um, Worked that, and I traveled in every county in the state of Tennessee. And wow, lived in Nashville, loved Nashville. It's I a love Nashville. It's a great city. Yeah, I understand it's changed just like all of the places. A little bit, <laughs> and um, but it was just too hot in the summer. It's like ninety degrees for four months, and mm -hmm. the humidity is high. Yep, and you really can't do much outside unless you're going swimming. Yep, and um, so 
I just had always loved the Northwest, and my sister had moved out to Portland. So and then my mother later moved. My mother and father moved out there. So okay. So prior to them moving out here, did you guys have any family or anything on the West Coast? No. Um, we we all. I had. Um, we're a, a Norwegian family okay. on my mother's side, and um, we. There was 14 cousins. My mother was one of seven. Okay. And there was 14 of us, and none of us have stayed in the Chicago area. <laughs> it's weird. I don't blame and you. And we're all <laughs> spread out from Florida to California and Oregon and Texas. Okay. Washington. So, so how many siblings did you do you have then? I had a brother who passed away early and a sister. Okay. She lives in um, Oregon right now. Okay. So, um, okay, so just three of you, just the three of us, okay, yeah. yeah, all right. And then, so what, what was uh, what kind of drew you towards the northwest then? If you like growing up in the you know, when we were living in Charleston for a while, and when we were living there, we talked to different people, and many of them it's weird because when you live on the west coast, most people don't, you know, if they're saying, well, I've only traveled this far east or whatever, um, like Colorado or. I don't know. There's just different points where they're like, well, I've never really gone farther than like Eastern Washington. And it's not that weird, but it was weird being on the reverse side of that where someone was like, yeah, the farthest like West I've gone is probably like, you know, Illinois, like not even Illinois or right. like Alabama or something. And <laughs> it's weird because you're like, you've never seen our side of the world. So I'm just kind of curious what, what drew you towards the Northwest before even seeing it really? Well, you know, it was, it's a, a funny. I can remember watching a TV show in the 50s about Oregon, and it just seemed like such a fabulous place. And then my sister moved out there in 1968, and I went to visit her um, several times. And But I was in Nashville during most of those years okay. and raising my son and um, developing my career. And, um, then when he, I, I was divorced, he and his, his mother and I were divorced and, um, he went away to school in, in New York city. He went to Columbia. Okay. He's much smarter than I am. <laughs> and, uh, and so I decided that I would, um, take a year off. I was just in my early fifties and mm-hmm. Um, had worked all my years, worked my way through college, and um, took a break. And then I couldn't get a job. After I, I don't know what it was. You know, it's easier <laughs> to find a job when you've got one than yep, it is. I've heard that. And um, I've, I'm a believer of that. <laughs> anyway, I um, answered this ad in the Seattle Times, you know, which is weird. Here I am in Portland, Oregon. Picking mm-hmm. up the Seattle Times and and sending out a resume to this little town of Stanwood, Washington. It was uh, it was just you know a little miracle, I guess, because yeah. I I really love it here and I haven't found any place I'd rather be. You know this yeah. is this is um, just a fabulous place. I wish I'd grown up here because it's there's so much. Yeah. Um, but there's not a lot of jobs, right. as you know, so right. that's a deterrent to people staying here when they're yeah. younger. Yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, we've. I mean, we've had some growth in the job sector, but still, for the amount of people that we have, and <clears throat> I think it's why so many people have to commute to Seattle or or wherever to for right. work. Um, well, I commuted to Everett yeah. for a while, and let me give a shout <clears throat> out to Island Transit. That is such a great thing. I would park here yeah. at the parking lot next door and take the bus to Everett to drop me off at the county courthouse and pick me up in the evening and it saved me thousands of dollars over the yeah. seven or eight years that I worked down there. <coughs> yeah. So no, that's great. Island Transit's a great, great uh, service for yeah. our community. It is. Yeah, and it allows a lot of people to <clears throat> move around as they need and um, you know, live here and work in, yeah. in Everett. Right. It was also great for the college students that would take the, the bus to Everett Community College. Yeah. Yeah. They'd I, drop them off right in front of the <clears throat> school. It was, yep. it was good to see all those kids going to school. Yeah. Yeah. I went to, uh, Everett Community College, uh, for, before I went to a four-year university and, it's a good um, stepping stone, isn't it? It is. Well, and I I got there right as they completed the engineering building, which is what my um, uh, undergraduate was. And uh, so it was great because I got to come in, and it was a brand new building, and we had the nicest building on, on the campus. <laughs> yeah. It's um, been growing. It's mm-hmm. it's really re- renovated the whole that whole area that yeah. was kind of going downhill. And it was the uh, economic engine for that whole area. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was a great school. I had some great teachers there. Um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of fun times. Met a lot of neat people there. And, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I really enjoyed my time at EVCC. The only, the only downside to EVCC at the time, and I think it still is because I've talked to other people, is they are sticklers on their, their parking passes. Mm. <laughs> and, like, if you... You should have taken the bus. <laughs> Yeah, now I learned the secret of how you get away from those. But I don't know how many times I got dumb parking tickets because it was the first day of class. <clears throat> I got stuck in traffic, was running late, and parked the car in the parking lot and was like, all right, as soon as I'm done with class, I'll run and go get a parking pass and put it in my window and I'll be fine. But mm. no, like by the time I had got back with my parking pass, they were sitting there and they had already given me a ticket. So... <laughs> I think it's their second revenue stream is parking. Could be, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, parking's a a big problem downtown Everett as well. Yeah. Um, Very cool. So the... um, All right, trying to figure out where I am. So was... After you kind of did geography and you started working in these admin positions, is that something that as you kept working down, you felt like it was... um, something you were really passionate, like you enjoyed doing that type of work and working. I mean, you spent a lot of time in either organizing of senior centers or working with, and this is, you know, before you were really fully a senior. Um, right. I was just in my thirties. Yeah. So is this something a like, young whippersnapper, <laughs> you know, I never got, they always called me little guy, little, you know, I was always, um, look, you know, they just said, you're just a young guy which I was, but it, um, I think, you know, we all have to discover our gifts Mm -hmm. and, you know, sometimes we're just not great basketball players or we're not tall enough or, (laughs) um, and so I 
realized that my gift was in administration. Mm -hmm. And I would say that every organization I've been in has been successful. I've never had to put any out of business or... Um, so I, that, that's a, a, an area that I, I think that, you know, my, that's my gift is yeah. administration and somebody's got to do it. Yeah. You know, uh, we all can't be the, um, the person, you know, even when you're an artist, you have, I've, I've talked, I've gotten to know a lot of artists here on Camino Island yep. and there's that administrative part of art. Right. That you, you, in promotion, that you yeah. have to, and somebody's got to do it. Right. And so that was, that's me. I, I've been doing that. And yeah. So during that time, then you probably worked around, I mean, your, your average people you were working around were probably at least 20 plus years older 30 than 30 or 40, <laughs> 50 years old. Well, not 50. Well, some of them. Yeah. I've known a lot of 90 year olds in my career. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've kind of realized, um, how to age, um, cause there's a lot of models and different people. Um, I've learned what model I want yeah. and I, you know, it's different for different people, but I've been involved yeah. and I really enjoy being involved in our community here. Yeah. And so that's the model of aging that I've selected. I can't help myself. I, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be um, sitting around or I'm not much of golfer. I, I hurt my shoulder years ago yeah. playing football in high school and I've never had it fixed because it's not bad enough and... I guess I shy away from surgery. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I've um, I've um, done that. So. Yeah. What were some of the, um, what were maybe either the lessons or the biggest things that you picked up from working around people that were um, much older than you during that time? I think the lesson is is to stay involved. The people that I was with. <clears throat> were the healthy age elders. Mm -hmm. We had a lady named Kate Jackson in Nashville who um, was in her 90s. She was 95, and she came to the senior center every day, and she helped serve lunch. And um, we decided that at 95 we would celebrate her birthday. <laughs> well, then she became 96 and 97, 98. We kept having these birthdays. We, what we thought might be her last birthday. <laughs> she was over 100 by the time she passed away. Wow. And um, she she was involved. That was yeah. her way. And you can see that here on, at the Camino Center and the Stanwood yeah. Senior Center is people are, are involved. And um, a lot of the organizations are staffed sort of by seniors mm -hmm. the thrift store second chance thrift store and different organizations the ladies aid that's yeah. mostly seniors not all but yep so yeah. yeah be be active um there's no reason not to be um connected right it's just takes some effort mm -hmm. to be connected yeah and um 
just the coffee roasters is one of my places. Um, I see people here connecting regularly. Yes. Yeah, we have our, we've got a lot of regulars that come through, but you know, uh, Bev and Bill O'Daniel? I don't. Okay. They're, they're regular customers, but they, on a regular basis, have a group. They usually take like the upstairs table and mm-hmm. they have a group of, I don't know, it keeps growing. So it, they'll have a full table. Sometimes oh. they're pulling in other tables. Um, and they just come and hang out, and they've just been a very big part of building the community here. And they, you know, they love talking to new people. And um, so, no, this is a great um, place for people to come and meet each other. I run into people, yeah, all the time here. Yeah, I stop by for a cup of coffee. Of course, we love the um, Camino Island Coffee Roasters coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a plug for your. Thank you. But we, we do really enjoy it and oh, good. drink it every day, actually. Yes, I, I do as well. <laughs> you do too, I'm sure. Yeah, whenever I'm not, you know, if I'm on vacation or something and forgot the coffee, it's always it's always a rough time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trying to find another coffee shop yeah. is sometimes really difficult. <laughs> so, um, very cool. So, another thing um, I wanted to jump into, so... Um, I, we actually have a shared love of dancing, and I, yeah. the reason we found that out is because I found you and your wife dancing in the marketplace the other day. Um, how long have you been doing that? Well, I started dancing back in Nashville, and I, I um, took some lessons. I found out one of the things about dancing is I learned how I learn, yeah. and I took some of these Arthur Murray lessons um, not knowing any better, and they try and teach you like six different dances. Well, I can't comprehend one at at a time. So I um, decided, my f- a friend of mine and I, uh, we decided we would take lessons, and we we took <coughs> private lessons, and that, that way I found out that I could learn. And so I learned the East Coast Swing. Okay. And fast forward um, till 2009, I met Isabel Andrews, my wife, mm-hmm. my wife-to-be, actually. And um, we met on Match.com. Yeah. And one of her requirements was that, I, that she wanted somebody to dance. She'd been married for 30 years to a guy who didn't like to dance, and Isabel has to dance. So we um, met and started taking lessons from a woman by the name of Mary Ballou, who used to live here and taught ballroom dancing at her house on uh, Rocky Point Heights. Anyway, we took lessons, and we got to be pretty good dancers. We continued to dance. Isabel will dance like you saw anywhere. Um, we were in Rome on a bridge, and they were playing some music, and there she is saying, let's dance. So here we are in Rome dancing on a bridge. We've danced in the Staten, on the Staten Island Ferry Terminal where somebody was d- playing, and we've danced in the New York subway <laughs> where she was... Uh, so wherever there's music, Isabel's ready to dance. Yeah. And um, 
you know, I've gotten to love it too. Yeah. She's much better. You know, it was hard. The thing about learning to dance mm-hmm. is, is you have to be willing to go through the clumsy period. Yes. It's kind of like a kid learning the violin. It sounds terrible. <laughs> When you're first learning, but boy, doesn't it sound beautiful when you've uh, practiced? And that's the other thing. You have to practice with dancing. You just can't. It doesn't just automatically. I think people think, well, I'm going to learn how to dance in one or two lessons. Well, you have, it takes years to to practice. And so um, we go dancing um, at the Sons of Norway Hall in Everett on uh, second and fourth Fridays. Okay. And then we go up to Bellingham at the Majestic. Um, yeah. They have a big band or different kind of bands yep. um, once a month there. And we've been to the Elks and the Eagles and Anacortes, you know. And we also go to the um, Camino Junction dances at the Camino Center. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we we continue to dance, and um, it's um, it's a great thing for couples. Um, yeah, it's a, a, a you know it's great um, to have a shared interest. Yeah, May, you know maybe it's in one of those requirements. You need to have a shared interest. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, yeah. We certainly do. So it's been a joy um, dancing. Yeah. Well, that was something, you know, that was um, something that my wife and I did through our, our dating and engaged period. Um, and then when we got married, we went, we moved to Pullman, Washington, because I was going to school at Wazoo. <clears throat> and there was a place in Moscow, Idaho, which is right next door. It's the sister town um, to Pullman. So we would go dancing over there, and then there was a pretty good group that would dance at Wazoo as well. And so um, we, we were, you know, stayed involved with it throughout there. With kids and everything, it's more difficult to get out and do that. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah, it was definitely, I mean, I think um, as a kid, so like 0 to 15, I was terrified of speaking to girls. Um, of course, I, so <laughs> I I cannot <laughs> agree with that. So I was, you know, I was I wouldn't talk to them. I would just kind of like have very short conversation with them. They probably thought I was rude, but I was really just terrified. I know. We, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the shy one too. Yeah. Well, then I, st- you know, we started. I started learning dancing when I was about 15, and you know, one of the requirements is you start doing this is you have to dance with someone. And so... Darndest um, thing. I know. <laughs> and they wouldn't let me dance with all the guys. So they... I would... <laughs> um, and then our teacher was like, guys, you need to go ask the girls to dance. And so she would make us get up, walk over, and ask a girl to dance, um, even if we were just doing practicing. Yes. Um, just so we got <clears throat> into the, the habit of that. And, you know, about three to six months into doing that, I could talk to girls and it was no problem. It was, it was great. So, um, yes, I know that whole thing (laughs) in seventh grade, they had boy, they taught ballroom dancing and the boys and girls were on opposite sides of the room. Boy, it was difficult to get them together. Yeah. Us, I should get us (laughs) together. We were like, I guess I was part of that. Yeah. It's, um, dancing's a great thing. Um, and, uh, Practice, 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 yes. and get a good teacher. We we yeah. were lucky we had such a good teacher. Yep. 
Yeah, we had a, a gal named Kim. She actually still teaches every Thursday at the uh, Cook Road Grange up on your way yes. to Cedar Woolley. Kim Hargrove. Yeah. So she was the one we that I learned from. And then my wife and I started going to the Thursday night dances up there. And then um, I that's actually where we got engaged as well. Oh, cool. Surprised her on a Thursday night. So Yeah, we've been there too. I, I failed to mention that Kim Hargrove's a yeah. great teacher too. Yeah. No, she was, she was great. And I think, <clears throat> um, just like you were saying with dancing, I think it teaches so many different aspects of um, of learning, you you start figuring out how you learn. Yeah, that was an amazing thing. You know, I yeah. know that just because I don't get it the first time or the second time or the third time, um, you know, if I stick with it, I can get it. Yeah. And we have one move. We call it our $125 move because it took us so many lessons to learn it. <laughs> At 25, I guess that's five lessons to learn that one uh, move. But, um, yeah, we've been on uh, cruise ships and we've been in dance competition. Isabel and I both were in the finals. Very cool. You know, and in one. And then in another, Isabel was in the finals. So we've done the Dancing with the Stars cruise. Yeah. (laughs) Up to Alaska. Oh, that would be very cool. It's just been a a joy. We like to go on cruises because we can dance um, every night. Yeah. So That's great. Yeah. That's another thing we've discovered. I didn't think I'd like a cruise, but we've discovered we really like doing them. We've done quite a few. Yeah. Yeah, it's something I'd like to do again. I I did one as a kid um, that I really enjoyed, but I'd like to do more. So, um, but yeah, I think the other aspect that dancing teaches too, is it teaches a lot of, um, kind of old school or traditional, um, manners and mannerisms between boys and girls that you don't necessarily learn just out in the schoolyard or whatever. Like it teaches proper, you know, the man should ask the, the girl to dance and then, um, you know. Being a gentleman while you're walking, dancing. walking your partner back to yeah. her seat, and yeah, yeah, and no. can, and having normal human, you know, just regular conversations with gals that there's <clears throat> you may or may not have any interest in, but it's just a formal, you know, conversation and right. experience. And I think it was a, you know, for me, it was something that was really important in that. And then, and then the the last aspect that it also teaches is, you know, if uh, you're trying to <laughs> decide, like, <laughs> who's going to run the household. <laughs> but I think... Um, uh, yeah, who's <laughs> leading this? Yeah, exactly. But I think it was... Isabel, just... and I write, sometimes Isabel wants to do the leading, and I said, Isabel, there can only be one leader. Although we have seen people who are such good dancers, dancers that they switch the lead during the dance. Wow. Which is, you know, I'm, I'm at probably at my maximum right now, just learning how to lead, yep. let alone follow. Yep. That's a whole another thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although it would be good. It's yeah. just Well, it teaches you different aspects because I've, um, I've kind of built off of what, I mean, the way Kim teaches, I think she just does such a great job in breaking things down. Mm-hmm. And 
um, a lot of times I'd be teaching new people how to dance because I we you know once we got into dancing we were trying to get everyone to do it. We are the same way. Yeah, so we would I would have to teach a lot of people like how to dance, and a lot of times if you're teaching, you're leading, you're teaching the girls the, or you know the follower and the lead. Um, so I kind of ended up learning both the lead and the follow a little bit. Yeah, I'm still more comfortable with leading, but like yeah. um, when you have to walk walk through a follow you start realizing like oh it's a lot easier if i do this then they know i'm going to try and do a spin or whatever it is right. um so you it, help, it, it improves your leads yeah it does you understand that they need <laughs> a little help yes <laughs> to understand what we want them to do right yeah yeah it's a yeah so it's no, fun it's, it's yeah it's definitely been a, a thing we've enjoyed and we're i think the kids are starting to get to the age where um and we've started to still working on getting a repertoire of babysitters that can watch the kids. So. <laughs> Mary Ballou, um, I had encouraged her to get into teaching because um, she um, was such a good follow. Mm-hmm. And so she taught at the Stanwood Senior Center and then she opened her own studio. Um, and uh, she still... Um, is a uh, we she's moved to Bellingham and we keep in touch with her. Okay. But I keep encouraging her to go continue teaching because I think she's really good with beginners. Yeah. And um you know some teachers are good um on a higher level. Right. But they're not really good at getting you the basics. Yeah. And the basics, I mean, you've really it's hard to get them down yeah. at first cuz there's so much to learn. Right. Like, I'm, I don't have a good musicality myself. <laughs> so um, I had to learn how to stay on the beat. Mm-hmm. And um, Isabel, of course, helps me. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck, you're not on the beat. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, it's, it's, um, you need a good teacher. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, we used to have dances down at the Grange. Mm-hmm. For a um, number of years, and um, that's they... where I learned. Yeah, she was Kim was teaching at the Camino Grange when we were learning at the Camino South Camino. Yep, that's where we were doing our lessons. So she it was private lessons, but she was doing it for our like our homeschool group. Oh, okay. So. Well, Mary um, and I put on these dances every third Friday at the Grange South Camino Grange. Really? Okay. And. Um, there was usually really good attendance. Mm-hmm. And then we moved it. We thought it was too far out for people. Yeah. So then we moved it to the uh, Sons of Norway in um, Stanwood. And then she she fell in love and moved away to Bellingham. So <laughs> we lost Mary. Yeah. Um, all right. So now I want to get into a little bit. You're currently the president of the Camino Schoolhouse Foundation. Yes. Um, t- tell the Islanders a little bit about what that really encompasses. Well, let me say that um, I was going on the art studio tour back in 2012, and um, Kenny Martin Baker was exhibiting there um, and talked to her, and um, I was trying to start my own grant writing business. Okay. Because I'd learned how to write grants as a director of nonprofits. So yeah. 
And so I, um, um, I just lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> so you were on the studio art tour. And so <clears throat> I applied to Jim Turk, who was the president at the time, and um, thinking I might get a job out of it, but it ended up um, I became a volunteer. And um, there was just a few, there was just four people on the board, and Jim Turk and um, Pat Foss and um, Cheryl Anderton and and Andrew, can't think of his last name, Washburn, um, started this organization. Jim Turk lived above the schoolhouse in, in the house uh, that overlooks it. And um, he wanted to save the schoolhouse. And so okay. he had been working on it since 2007. And then um, just about the time I started, um, we bought it from the fire department yeah. for $60,000. Okay. Rudy Mueller, who just passed away, um, helped set up the organization in 2011 and helped negotiate with the fire department on the price. And so Rudy was a great help. Sorry to see that he passed away recently. But um, I got involved. I became the treasurer, and Jim Turk was the president. And um, Donnie Hopkins, he yep. owns um, D.G. Hopkins Painting and Prefinishing, um, volunteered on the board, and he painted the schoolhouse, stripped all the old paint. It hadn't been painted in years, and um, so he came on the board, and um, then Tracy Gilroy came on the board, and she was uh, lit a fire under us, and um, we refinished, took up all the old vinyl on the old schoolhouse that had been put down in the 40s, probably, mm -hmm. Um, Mason Hinn, her significant other, um, tore up it, and then we got a professional to redo all the fur floors that were were on the that were underneath. Very cool. And and then we we realized somebody had painted over all the blackboards, so Don and Nancy Hopkins stripped all the old paint and this terrible-looking um, wallpaper that was <laughs> on it. And then we got a, um, a new heating system donated uh, by a um, um, local company. Um, and um, so the f building is functional, and we've yeah. had a lot of different events in it. We just had our schoolhouse lighting with several hundred people that came. Oh, very cool. Um, Ed Begnarzik, the voice of Camino Island. I don't know if you've met Ed, uh -uh. but he's somebody you might want to interview. Um, but this is Ed. He was able to get um, the lighting from Northwest Holiday, Light, Holiday Lighting Northwest. Yeah. And um, local company to d donate most of the cost of putting up the lights on the schoolhouse and Orchard's Nursery uh, donated the tree and Rhonda Hunter Mark, Rhonda's Design did the brochure, I mean the poster 
Um, we had a lot of um, local help. Yeah. Um, and um, it turned out great. We we just had so many people. Um, and the Heartstrings duo of Nancy Bednarzik, Ed's wife, and Steve Mole, um, they've been uh, performing here locally at um, um, several of the different locations. Yeah. Um, and um, so we had Christmas music and nice. had a crowd. Yeah. Um, and cool. um, the Camino Chapel, they loaned us their parking for overflow. And the Camino Center um, loaned us their bus. So we had a lot of collaborations yeah. um, to make this happen. That's so awesome. it turned out great. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Um, the uh, the schoolhouse, back when it was owned by the fire department, um, uh, someone who I hope to actually get on the podcast, Bob Schrofer, um, but was part of the volunteer firefighter um, fire fire department uh, during that at that time. But he lived literally right across the street in that house, mm-hmm. and so uh, one of my best friends, his son, grew up there, and we would do um, Thanksgivings over there. I know, I've talked to your father who said he liked to jump in the leaves. Yep. We have all these big leaf maples around that produce volumes of leaves. Yep. I've got it all ready. I told your father that (laughs) um, he can come jump in the leaves if he wants. Yeah. No, they would... (laughs) Or maybe your kids would like to jump in the leaves. Yeah. Now that I think back at that, like we would, they would get a huge pile of leaves and then they would actually climb up the tree and then jump down into it. You can still do that. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. No, it's, um, you know, um, the schoolhouse was built in 1906 and Maud Hayden was the first school teacher. She came from all the way from Iowa. She'd just gotten her degree. And evidently she knew uh, she, her brother was working in the logging. And so he invited her. So she took the train to Seattle and then took a boat to Camino City, which was the only way to get there at the time because yeah. there weren't any roads. Um, and she started in that little schoolhouse um, and uh, served just one year. We come to find out that her grandson later uh, became the Secretary of State for the state of Washington, Sam oh, okay. Reed. Okay. <laughs> and so we've gotten to know Sam and, and his sister um, because of Maude Hayden, and we've got some really great photographs of her and the kids. And, yeah. Um, we even had a, a play a few years ago at our historic sites tour, yeah. where Tracy Gilroy produced this uh, play called um, "A Phony History of um, Camino," which <laughs> meant it was about telephones, hence phony. Yeah, um, it was a double entendre. Is that what that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, it's been fun learning about Camino history yeah. and how this area is so different now yeah. than it was. Camino City was actually a booming little town. Right. Can I read you a little bit from this f- a 1907 newspaper? Yeah. That I just... Um, it's a little girl, and she... Um, had written an article 
for the the Camino Enterprise, November twenty eighth, nineteen oh seven. And um, she said, Camino Island is between Whidbey and the mainland. It is 20 miles long and about six miles wide. Camino, the most important town on the island, is situated on a high bluff. The best way to reach it is by boat from Seattle and or Everett. The steamers Camino and Fairhaven make a round trip every day. <coughs> This town has a wharf for large steamers and is midway between Seattle and Bellingham. From every house, the snow-covered mountains and the beautiful waters can be seen. A park has been laid out which overlooks the bay. A sawmill, shingle mill, and planing mill are located here, and a large number of men are employed. Many men are also employed in camps nearby. Camino is about 18 miles from Everett and has a beautiful view of Saratoga Passage, one of the finest beautiful waterways on Puget Sound. Fish of all kinds are found in its waters. Steamers can be seen passing by both day and night. This little village is just about two years old and has made rapid progress. It has waterworks, electric lights, and is supplied by pure water from the springs. It also has a fine schoolhouse, a grocery store, confectionery store, two hotels, and a well-equipped with launches, well-supplied with launches. The Westfall Mill is building a scow on which they will ship their lumber when it is finished. The population is already 300 and is increasing rapidly. <laughs> Isn't that a cute article um, about, this is a 13-year-old girl, um, a Miss Emma Freeman. That's very from cool. From 1907. Yeah. It kind of describes it um, better than I could. That's, yeah. No, that's really neat. And just being able to see, like, what they, you know, just see what it was like back then. It operated as a school from 1906 to 1936 <clears throat> when they bussed all of the students to Stanwood. Okay. Consol- it was a consolidation. There were several schools on Camino, um, most of which are gone, just the Camino City Schoolhouse and the Mabana Schoolhouse okay. are the only remaining that you can tell. The Utsalati School is now a residence, and the... Um, the one on the north end um, is a part of the Camino Lutheran Church. If oh, you ever yep. look closely, yep. you can see the old schoolhouse is part yeah. of, of part of the building. So yeah. um, they were all bused to Stanwood, and we didn't get schools back again until around 2000. Wow, 1999 or 2000. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because even <clears throat> when I was when we, we moved up here in '94 um, or '95. 94, right. Um, we, uh, there was, you know, all the schools we had to go to were off island. Right. So. Yeah. So it's great having the schools back. And my grandson went to um, Elger Bay, and I thought that was a really great little school. Yeah. I, yeah. No, that's, that's very cool. Thank you for sharing the article. Um, so, um, anyway. The uh, just to get back to the story of the schoolhouse in nineteen, um, and, and by the way, 
the schoolhouse was never just a schoolhouse. It was a community center mm -hmm. for that area. And they had events and they'd have speakers and it was just a real community event. It was a poll it's been a polling place. So people have been they've told me that they used to vote there and they they've had uh judicial proceedings there. Um and there's been all kinds of activities. The Stan or the Camino Sparklers, the women's auxiliary mm -hmm. for the fire department basically operated the building up until about the time we bought it from the fire department in okay. 2012. And so it's been a community center yeah. throughout. So from 1945, when the fire department bought it for like $200, mm -hmm. <laughs> they um, have used it for their training and storage and also for events because it's yep. got a full basement underneath yep. it. Yep, we used to hang out and down there. <clears throat> it was renovated. They put in the basement sometime in the in the twenties. Okay, and um, there the uh, restroom was actually an outhouse at the beginning. So they renovated the um, boys and girls cloak rooms into restrooms. <laughs> so that's where our and it's been um, redesigned um, a little bit. So it's been interesting seeing the changes that they've made over yeah. the years. And it's still a very um, sturdy structure. Mm -hmm. The basement doesn't have any water in it, even though we're at the bottom of a hill. Yeah. Or not the bottom, but on the hill. Yeah. Um, so it's been, it's been used... Um, throughout its history yeah. as a community center. And, yeah. and that's what Jim Turk's dream was, is that it would be a community center, educational yeah. center. And Danny, ha Danny Kaufman, our local artist, mm -hmm. gave us the tagline that the old school is a new school. And we've that's one of the things we are promoting is education. And we yeah. have had a number of educational classes mm -hmm. throughout the year. In fact, this year we've had more classes than we've ever had. Yeah. Know. It just keeps growing every year. And we've collaborated with the um, Camino Preparedness Group, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and they've had some of their training there, and we are storing some of their um, emergency supplies in our basement because they had a trailer, and I guess it leaked. and Yeah. Um, so this has been a great collaboration where um, we are working with another organization, and hopefully we can do that with other groups, yeah. is collaborate, because um, we've got the these buildings. Um, so the schoolhouse is not quite finished, but... Um, We've got some projects that I, I can talk about later, but um, I did want to tell you it's just been a year ago when you might call it a miracle mm -hmm. or at least a serendipity event happened. We were preparing for our holiday lighting and um, Heartstrings concert last November 27th, actually. Okay. <clears throat> And I, um, we were going to decorate the inside because they'd already put the lights on. 
but we wanted to put up the tree and put my life. My wife, Isabel, loves to decorate. So mm -hmm. she's got a collection of snowmen, and we brought those over, and we were putting up the tree. And I had invited a friend of mine um, who I'd known for many years, and um, she'd lost a friend of hers mm -hmm. and wanted to, was thinking about putting a, a memorial up for him. And uh, she was there. And we looked out the window as we were decorating, and there was um, Ian Gleagle, who's a local photographer. Mm -hmm. And um, he was taking photographs, and we were curious as to why he was taking photographs. So we went out and said, Eagle, uh, Ian, what are you doing? And he said, I'm taking photographs for um, the real estate agent um, because they're going to sell the the firehouse and we were kind of surprised taken mm -hmm. aback actually and we were wondering out loud how can that what do we what can we do because when they divided the property yeah. when we bought the schoolhouse they didn't give us much parking just along one the one side okay and so most of the area belonged to the firehouse oh okay and so we um we were perplexed on what to do. And then this person who wants to remain anonymous said, I'll, I'll loan you the down payment. And we said, you know, we've got to do this. And then um, we made our offer. It was 275000 Yeah. Which we didn't have yeah. 20000 we didn't have ten thousand, so we were um, we were met with this person again, and to talk about our strategy for it, mm -hmm. and because um, we wanted to to buy it, I mean we needed it. Yeah. So uh, we met at the local restaurant here, and um, before we could say anything, she offered to loan us the whole $275,000. And um, so we were anxious. We had a meeting with the fire commissioners telling them why we wanted it. Yeah. We'd even gotten a petition. And um, we spoke to them. We, um, and after the meeting, uh, they said they'd let us know uh, the next day. And so... Um, they said there was someone else that wanted it, and they had bid it up and offered $355,000 for it. And we didn't know where we were going to get two seventy-five yeah. with that. And so um, our, our um, special person <laughs> said she'd loan us the whole amount. Wow. And so she'd already given us the down payment yeah. as a donation. And so they accepted our offer. And um, it was kind of funny. We had our board meeting. We had to give them an answer. And five minutes before the deadline, we came to an agreement. Because here we were yeah. putting ourselves in debt. Yeah. Three hundred and thirty-five thousand yep. dollars, 
And so we bought it, and um, you know now we're we've um, had it painted. Don Hopkins painted it for us. Yeah. And so we're um, right now. Jack Gunter has his exhibit, Secrets of the Mount Vernon Culture, in the building. Oh, okay. He's going to have it on uh, Friday nights from five to eight. Um, his exhibit, Very which cool. if you've ever seen it, um, it's interesting because Jack's got such a fanciful uh, art. <laughs> he's an amazing guy. How yeah. he does it all, I don't know. But yeah. um, he's going to be having his exhibit until March. Okay. So um, I think that kind of brings us up to date on um, the schoolhouse other than we... Um, we do have some major things that we're working on, one of which is to develop, make the um, schoolhouse ADA accessible okay. and replace the old ramp that we've got and make it, um, we want to put in <clears throat> a parking area, uh, ADA handicap parking area yeah. um, right there, and we want to make it accessible um, ADA all the way around it. So we'll have okay. a four-foot-wide uh, path yeah. around it so that people can access the basement as well. Yeah. And um, we also want to put the stairs back the way they were originally, which is out straight rather than along the side. Okay. We want to put the old bell yeah. back. Yeah, yep. Bell tower back. We did get the bell from the communal chapel, which had had it for 60 years. Wow. And they called us up one day and said, would you like your <laughs> bell back? Because they'd moved it around yep. from closet to closet until wow. <laughs> it probably was a nuisance. So yep. they had been using it once a year. And so they they gave it back to us. And so it's in the schoolhouse now. It's on a nice little dolly. Yeah. And... Um, so that's um, uh, a, a goal. Yeah. We're also working on uh, developing a landscaping and parking plan because parking for our events yeah. is the most important right. thing. Um, and so we we're, have we're a landscape architect local. Nice. Uh, Scott uh, Langford is helping us design the parking uh, and landscaping, we wanted to we want to naturalize it, okay, and get rid of the Scotch broom and the blackberry bushes, which yes. had overtaken yep. the whole area, um, which are of course you know those are noxious weeds. Yes, and so we want to replace it with local um, native plants and yep. have a, a native plant garden. So um, we've been working on that. Very um, cool. That's a, we've got the plan done. Now we just have to raise the money to yep. do it, which um, is going to be quite a quite a lot of money. So, yeah. So we're working. We're working on grants, and we've gotten some grants from the Tulalip Tribe and the Stillaguamish Tribe. Very cool. The Com Stanwood Communal Area Foundation. We've gotten a grant from them. So. I've used my grant writing to help out. 
Yeah. But we've gotten a lot of donations from the community. It's yeah. been great that they've supported us the last seven years. Yeah. Well, it's very cool, too, that uh, you guys are working and restoring those things because they're, they're important, the, the history of Kameno. And, um, yeah, no, that's, that's great. Now, we have a lot of people interested in history. And yeah. Stanwood Area Historical Society is very active as well. Yeah. And Island County uh, Museum. Is, they were the one that helped us um, get our um, incorporation, and they were our financial advisor. Okay. So we've we've had a lot of help from a lot of people. Yeah. And it's kept me out of trouble. Well, I, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, How, have we covered? Um, we we hit. Yeah, I think we did. Um, before I end the podcast, I always like to end with some rapid fire questions. Um, so the first one is: uh, Do you have a lesser known or favorite location on Kamano Island that you like to hang out? Well, <clears throat> this is not um, trying to get favoritism or anything, but I've always enjoyed coming here to the Camano Island Roasters. Um, I call it the Camano Island Roasters. I know it's the commons and the marketplace, um, but it's just a great place. The coffee, my wife and I love the coffee. She's a real coffee f uh, aficionado, and yeah. we, uh, we drink the coffee every day. But I, I like to come in and stop. I've gotten to know the people here, mm -hmm. and... Um, get to know, um, it's just a great uh, community spot. But some of the other places that I love is the English Boom on the north end. Yeah. It's, I don't know, there's some serenity about the place. It's just a quiet place. Um, I love Kama Beach. I've always been in, enthralled since I came and saw it back in 1995 when they just started um, or we're just starting to save it. Yeah, and um, it's a it's a just a, a, a great place to visit. I, I love walking along the bluff at the Camino Island State Park. There's a bluff trail. Yeah, yeah. That in the late, late afternoon, the sun's rippling through the the trees. Um, it's just a a great walk. Um, I guess those are my favorite places yeah, of Camino. Also, I live on in the country club and walking on the beach there. Yeah, it's a the um, the clubhouse has to me the best location on it the nice. island as far as views of Mount Baker and. It's a it's a great place too, and yeah. they're starting to do a lot of things there as well. So. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, pretend you have a friend coming from out of town. Uh, what <clears throat> would the first day look like here? Well, you know, um, my son, I I mentioned um, that I have a son that lives in New York City with his wife, and they were just here in September. Okay. They don't like to come in the winter when it's so cloudy yep. and rainy. Uh, so they try and come early. Anyway, I, um, I would, I took them to English Boom and I took them here. And, um, I love to also 
like to drive along Utsalati Road mm-hmm. by the Ladies' Aid. Yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite streets. Yes. Um, and um, and taking them to the the Kama Beach and and Camino Island State Park. Then we drove down to um, Tai Grocery. Yeah. And had a great sandwich there. Nice. And um, yeah. some, sometimes Jack Gunter is sitting out there <laughs> having coffee. So um, we got to talk with Jack. Um, but um, And, of course, stopping here. Um, yeah. That, that would be my tour. Very cool. I guess also um, over by the Yacht Club on um, the west side. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so that's my little. Yeah, that's a good tour. tour. Um, who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that, that I should interview next? Well, I mentioned Ed Bagnarzik. Um, he is a voiceover specialist, and he's been very active. He's our vice president, and he put he has done the radio theater shows. Yes, that, I've heard of those. And yeah. we had a he. He and his uh, thespians put on a great show at the schoolhouse uh, last month um, in October, end of October. Okay. And um, we had a full house, and Ed's the uh, MC there. Okay. And so I think Ed would be a great one. Yeah. Gail Picken. Gail. Yeah, I know. Is Gail. a um, fascinating woman who. Is a um, has promoted art, and um, she's been very helpful with us on our historic sites tour that we had in September. She's helped us market that okay. online, and um, did our website. She's just a, a really talented person. Very so cool. either one of those, yeah, I I could go down a whole list. But All right, well I'll, I'll I, keep asking you for more. Okay, um, yeah, there's. There's a, a, a wealth of talent. It's interesting yeah. to find. In fact, a friend of mine who moved here four or five years ago said that this is the island of exceptional people. He just kept running into all these talented people. So he said, oh, this is the island of... I said, yeah, that's it, right. There's just so many smart people that move here. It's yeah. All right, and lastly, if you could have a message on a billboard on Camino Island, uh, right as you're driving on the island, what would that say? Oh, coming onto the island. <laughs> I was going to say, going off the island, I would say, come back and visit again. Because <laughs> it's getting very crowded yes. on our island. Yeah. And so I'm not encouraging anybody to move here. Yeah. It's kind of like the last person locked the door. Yeah. But, um, and I know that's true. My ancestors settled in uh, New Amsterdam in 1653, and they had a farm in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, or however those Dutch people pronounced it. (laughs) And look what's happened to their farm. (laughs) All those millions of people have moved there. So uh, Camino Island could actually be... the next New York City. <laughs> yep. It, we're part, they're coming. Yes. <laughs> or they've arrived, actually. There's a lot of people. Yeah. And the traffic has really increased dramatically. So. Right. 
Yep. Anyway, so um, come and visit. Yep. Yeah. I've heard. Glad to have you here for a visit. Yeah. <laughs> Something like I've that. Heard, I've heard similar ones, so. Yeah. All right. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast well, today. Well, it's been a delight. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, thank it's you. It's been fun talking to you and getting to know you a little better. Yeah. Thank you. you as well. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Chuck for joining me on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And for more information on this episode or previous episodes, go to kamenocommons.com slash podcast. That's kamenocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.